0: Discovering behavior analysis was so transformative for me. Once I learned that concept of, oh, it might not be a problem within you. It might be a problem with your environment. Wow. (laughs) My world was blown open at that point. And I started to really reframe my whole childhood and all of the stressful experiences that I'd gone through as being not a function of some flaw within myself, but rather a function of you know, this environment that wasn't working and, and people in my environment that were doing the best that they could, but it was not always in an adaptive um, beneficial way. So I really started to see like all the stress I had I had been through as not something that was wrong with me. Like it wasn't a symptom of my brokenness.
1: Hello, welcome to Act Inspired Behavior, the show about real people and their real stories of transformation and change told through the lens of acceptance and commitment therapy. I'm Gabby Lanier. Okay, so let's play a little game. What is the first thing you think of when you think of the word stress? For me, it's the word or the feeling of tightness or the phrase too much on my plate. Or it's the image of my son, Matthew. He's screaming at me at six in the morning because he doesn't always want to put on new underwear. It's that time I didn't finish a report until the night before. It's that memory I have of being in church, reading a story to the congregation and dropping my microphone on the floor. It's that time that Matthew ran into traffic and that feeling um, as I was grabbing his arm and reprimanding him too harshly in public. And then my body shaking as I was hugging him. It's all the experiences connected back to the words conflict and busy and mistakes and being late. And I think honestly, for most of us, we associate stress with things that aren't good, things that are bad, things that we don't want in our lives because they suck. And for our guest, Martha Smith, she's amazing. And I can't wait for you to listen to her story. But for her, the word that comes up was the word childhood. As you hear, she's she has a relationship with stress and a unique one at that. And I really love all the ways in which Martha relates back to the word stress in her story, a story that starts early on in life and continues today. So... As you listen, think about how stress might not have even been a word she'd used to describe her experience when she was younger, an experience of constant vigilance, of being on guard for the next stressful situation to come to pass, but it is now. And think to yourself, how did stress and the experience that comes with it impact Martha? How did it shape the internalized messages that led her down to this path of what she might call now perfectionism? And how did her responses and behaviors and actions change over time in a way that is now truer to who she wants to be? Also, I just want to say kind of in the spirit of this episode and kind of the topic that we're looking at right now, I just want to point out that I'm very consciously deciding not to edit this episode to perfection and that I just leave certain parts completely unedited because, you know, it actually really stresses me out. And I wanted to see if I could just let it be because it forces me to confront my own perfectionism and also gives me way more time to enjoy my weekend right now. So enjoy all those little imperfections and funny things that I like to say and do in my interviews, um, knowing that it is kind of stressing me out right now just thinking about it, but I'm also smiling and enjoying my messy, non-perfect life. (laughs) <laughs> all right well welcome back and oh my gosh I'm, I'm so excited I last night I was like do I have my interview with Martha tomorrow
0: and I looked
1: look <laughs> and I'm like yes I do yes.
0: <laughs> I know I've been so excited I had a speaking of stress you know kind of a long week and was thinking like okay but I have something to look forward to on Saturday yep yeah.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's, it's funny that our, our topics on stress are not funny. I mean, like stress is just normal. Right. But I, I every time I have felt something stressful this week, I was like, Oh, I can't wait to just talk right. about it. <laughs> yep. Like this
0: is apropos. <laughs> yeah.
1: Okay. Quick story. And then we'll get started. So I work for the school district and I had the long weekend off. And yesterday was one of the few days where I had daycare and a day off at the same time. Ooh. And so they like to take holidays off a lot at daycare. And so I was really excited about it. I kind of forgot about it until a couple days before. And then I was just getting super pumped. And I'm like, these are all the things I'm gonna do. It's gonna be great. I'm gonna take a nap. Yeah. And and then that morning we get all ready to go. We get in the car. He's excited to go to school. We start walking towards the school, and I'm like, weird, the lights are off. I check my phone, it's not canceled. Oh no. (laughs) And then someone drives up, and it's one of the employees, and she said, Oh, I'm so sorry. We canceled school today. Five teachers are out. Oh my
0: gosh, Gosh, five. (laughs) I was like, (laughs) Really?
1: Okay, great. I totally (laughs) understand. It's like my hearing went like. And I turn around and Matthew skips back to the car, plops inside, and is like, mommy, we're going to have such a fun day. And I'm like, uh-huh. <laughs> I just slump against the car. Like, I can't even hold my own weight right
0: now. That <laughs> was the worst. Oh, I need a second to physically process the sort of disappointment. <laughs> I was like, this is a
1: cute, high-level, almost emergency-type stress for me. <laughs> right. <laughs> Right, yeah, so pregnant like- and all the emotions and hormones and all that kind of
0: stuff so of oh that's right yes yeah
1: <laughs> anyhow okay all right I'm just all smiles this morning because um, oh me too I'm excited to talk to you so yeah. all right so this is what we're gonna do Martha I'm gonna pause and take some deep breaths just okay. to center myself and yeah. then we can go ahead and just get started with the interview mm-hmm. okay okay All right. Okay. So I'm going to take three deep breaths and then I'll go ahead and get started.
0: Beautiful. I'll breathe with you. (laughs) All right.
1: Oh, so much better.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I cut this part out of the interview, but it just feels so good to do. Oh, so, absolutely. Okay. I've calmed down a little bit. Um, <laughs> <Perfect>. <laughs> back in your body. <laughs> okay. Before we launch into your story, I'd love for you to go ahead and introduce yourself and tell the audience who you
0: are. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Gabby. I'm very excited as well. So my name is Martha Smith. I am a behavior analyst. I live in Southern Maine in Portland. Um, I work both in in in-home support and school-based support as well. I have a couple school-based cases. And I actually, I just recertified my first time. So I've been a BCBA for just over two years now.
1: Woohoo.
0: Um, and I'm from the state of Maine, born and raised here. Um, Yeah, and I just, I'm so excited to be here with you today and chat and have a nice conversation.
1: Awesome. Yeah, I I love that you're in Maine. We are on the complete opposite ends of the country.
0: Yes, that's right. Yeah, different time zone and everything.
1: (laughs) I think one of the most wonderful things about this last year of 2020, and actually I had someone point this out to me over direct messages and Instagram. She said, the best thing about 2020 was that I got to meet you and connect with other people through this group that we're in. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: I totally agree. And there's, there's been a few people who I've really, really connected with. And and you're one of them. Like I haven't necessarily ever seen you in person, but there's something about this year where I'm just, I, Have been connecting with people online in a way that i've never done before and i'm just so glad that i've met you martha
0: i feel the same way gabby i yeah i was so excited to discover your act workshop and then join the monthly collective when i could make it and i I totally agree i mean it's like this whole last year has been so restrictive in so many ways you know for how we typically live In a way, it really, I mean, it was like an MO to kind of place us in this state of like deprivation with respect to our typical human contact and interaction. So it really did raise the value of like, well, let's, let's look for some other ways where we can connect with people and, and find some meaning in those relationships. Totally. Absolutely. Like it's totally set us up for placing such a high value to on
1: connecting with people who share these commonalities, these common interests mm-hmm. and um, yeah, definitely. all right. This is a love fest yeah. here, but you know what? That's good. Cause it's uh February 13th. It's the day before Valentine's day. And That's right. I think we have love on our mind and we also, <laughs> we also have this topic. So I, I reached out to you because one, you were just <clears throat> so charismatic and fun to talk to. And I knew I, I wanted to pull some story out of you. And so I gave you <laughs> <laughs> I gave you this prompt. I said, okay, Martha, can you tell us, can you share a story about stress and how stress has played a role in your life? And I left it really open ended. And you mm-hmm. came back to me with, yes, absolutely. I could talk about stress. Oh, I have, <laughs> I have a, I have a relationship with stress. Yes, yes.
0: I know um, stress very well.
1: <laughs> you and stress are buddies. So let's, let's get into your story. I'd love for you to kind of walk us through what that means to you, what stress means to you and, and how you've navigated through it and kind of changed over the years. So, if you were to pick the part of your life where you want to start this story, where would you start?
0: <laughs> Honestly, it, it starts really early for me. It, it starts very, very young in childhood, perhaps even before then, to be honest. Um, my sort of family origin story, and I, I will preface this by saying, you know, my parents like all parents are only human <laughs> and, you know, they are truly wonderful people and have grown so much over the years and have come so far. And when I was young, they did the very best that they could from, from where they were at. Um, and it certainly, it wasn't perfect at all, um, but they really, they did their best and I hold absolutely no, Uh, lingering resentments toward their parenting, but it is a true fact that my childhood was incredibly stressful. (laughs) And yeah, it may have even begun before then in in conversations with my mom over the years, she revealed to me that she went through a number of incredibly stressful experiences herself right before and during her pregnancy with me. Mm. over the years, as I studied psychology and behavior analysis and related fields, I learned about, you know, epigenetics and gene by environment interactions and a lot of research out there that does show that there are actual changes to, you know, gene expression based on what happens in our environment. And I may not know this for certain, may not ever know it, but I think that it's, it's quite possible that I came into this world with a bit of a predisposition to be stressed out. <laughs> I was born and I, the stories go that I was a very unhappy baby. I screamed and screamed and could not be consoled, you know, and that really kind of continued throughout my childhood. I was, I was very stressed. <laughs> life, life hit me hard. <laughs> So would you be willing to share like what those stresses looked like for you? Yeah, absolutely. So I am a, an older sister, so I have a younger brother. He came along uh, when I was five. And then a couple years after that, when I was seven, my parents got divorced. And prior to that divorce, um, I don't have a whole lot of like really detailed, explicit memories, I think in order to sort of keep myself safe. My brain and body just decided to forget a lot, but I do have a few memories of my parents fighting and it being, re- you know, pretty explosive, not to the point of um, like property destruction or, you know, any harm done to one another, but, but you know, verbally very loud and um, aversive, just really stressful to be around as a young child. Um, And then, and they did divorce when I was seven and that was for the best. Um, But it was kind of a unique arrangement. My, my dad ended up actually moving into like a little trailer in our driveway. Um, And so he was still like right on the premises. I remember like on my eighth birthday, getting up and in my mom's house and then like walking out into the driveway to like see my dad, (laughs) which looking back on it is, you know, it's different. It's a little odd. Um, Totally normal to you. I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. Right. Like as a kid, you're just like, okay, this is, you know, my parents are kind of the boundaries of my world. And so whatever they're doing is normal because I don't have their point of reference. So He went from living there to, he kind of bounced around. um, And like the, my mom comes from a little bit more of a like financially stable background and my dad less so. um, But that's also partly due to the relationship that he had with his parents, which was incredibly stressful. And there was a lot of trauma there. So I didn't really have, you know, contact like with my, my father's parents, I never met them. They weren't part of the picture and that definitely I think had an effect on his parenting style. So with his sort of limited resources, he kind of bopped around. He, I remember he house sat for a family once and so on, but he, I should say my parents had a shared custody, a joint custody agreement. So we went to see my dad on the weekends and we were with my mom during the week. And, you know, him moving around a lot and never really having a stable home base. I mean, that was stressful in and of itself. Um, we might spend maybe a year going to his place on the weekends and it was in one location and then it might change and he was in a new location um and always um he he did not have some of the same amenities that we had at my mom's house so where he he ended up and spent probably five or six years of my childhood like the most solid place he was at um, we didn't he didn't have running water he didn't have electricity. Um, So my brother and I would go there on the weekends and we were, you know, I was probably 10 or 11 at this point. So he was five or six and we were like hauling water from a spring that was a quarter mile away in the woods and, you know, walking through the woods, carrying buckets.
1: Wow.
0: (laughs) Our refrigerator was like a big Coleman cooler that he had nailed and, um, like huge thick pieces of foam too. And then we, and kept it in the woodshed where it was cooler, even in the summer so that we could have like cheese and milk (laughs) (laughs) read by kerosene lamp. (laughs) Like it was literally like going into another era. (laughs) Like It sounds like a novel. (laughs) Yeah, it kind of was. And it's like, nobody, you know, no one else really even knew like teachers or friends, because um, we were only there on the weekends. And during the week, we were at my mom's. And if I had friends over, like they came to my mom's, that whole dynamic, you know, it had its stresses, just the mere fact of transitioning between homes is stressful. Um, having parents who who don't really get along is stressful. um the lack of typical amenities at my dad's, having to adjust to that. And then there were dynamics with each of my parents that were, were difficult as well. Um, they were really both of them dealing with a lot of their own challenges and kind of inner demons. And um, like I said earlier, you know, they did the best that they could, um, but it, it did affect my brother and I. Um, and I, I began to take on a lot of the stress of sort of emotionally regulating for everybody in my family. Yeah. So I began to learn my parents' patterns with when they were likely to become upset when they might sort of dole out punish punishment consequences, you know, punishers, um, but in a really like inappropriate way, <laughs> just sort of trying they were trying to deal with their own aversive states, you know and get my brother and I like quote unquote, in line. Um, but they weren't really paying attention to the larger contextual picture of like what was going on for us and why we might be behaving that way in the first place, because we weren't really getting our needs met. So um, it it became a real challenge for me. And I started to become incredibly vigilant on a day-to-day basis. And it was very stressful. I, I really could never relax is what it felt like. Every day I was sort of on guard and just ready for whether I needed to sort of change my behavior in order to keep my dad happy and prevent him from becoming upset with my brother and I, or whether my mom was in a place where she maybe couldn't really handle some day-to-day things and I needed to kind of step in and like help care for my younger brother. That happened on occasion. Um, And my mom also she was really trying to figure herself out and she was very lonely, I think, and and uh, got herself into some relationships, had some boyfriends who were not super healthy and also really contributed to the stressful dynamic in our home, having, um, you know, when you have a, a, your mom's boyfriend trying to like discipline you and your younger brother and- you're kind Oh my of, goodness, yeah. You know, like, hey buddy, like this- <laughs> You know, you're stepping into our world here. And it was just so unhelpful. I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
1: I have a question for you around this whole dynamic.
0: Sure. When it,
1: when it comes to, so you were saying like a lot of these events were really triggering, they kind mm-hmm. of triggered you into this mode. If you can recall back, what were some of the things you told yourself back then in response to some of these things that were very stressful?
0: A lot of it was um, filtered through messages that my dad would give me, uh, which it took me years to kind of parse through and understand what was going on there. But he often would tell me that I needed to sort of be the bigger person. I don't think he used those words exactly, but that was essentially his message. I needed to, it sort of came down to like, I needed to be better. I just needed to work harder, try harder, And um, that came up a lot with my mom and I, we clashed a lot. And my, that was my dad's messaging to me was like, you, you know, you need to control your behavior in order to prevent this from happening. And I really internalized that and took that deeply to heart. And I would start to tell myself, maybe not really You know, it wasn't necessarily something that I was like aware that I was telling myself, but it was like a constant feedback loop of you need to make everything perfect. Mm. And that's really what it came down to. That's so much
1: pressure. I mean, and it kind of sounds like you got some of that messaging from your dad and then you took in some of that and kind of filtered it back through your understanding, which was you see your parents and they're not maybe stepping up to that same level of responsibility and then you take that on yourself. And mm-hmm. so, what were some of the ways that you responded? How did you respond to those internalized messages? Mm.
0: Well, where, where it really started to gain traction for me um, was with my schoolwork, that my academic environment. Um, I, I think, although I told myself a lot that I needed to be perfect. It was so impossible to achieve that within the family dynamic because there were so many variables that were entirely out of my control. You know, I was a child. But where I could actually get that control and where I could direct my behavior in such a way as to always get that reinforcement of like, you're doing well, you're doing a good job, you know, you're as close to perfect as possible was in the school environment. Uh, as soon as grades became a thing, oh my goodness, like, let me tell you about the power of positive reinforcement in the form of an A. You're like, (laughs) yes,
1: my next opportunity to prove my perfection.
0: (laughs) Right, exactly, and it was like, this is, this is where I can go to be perfect, Um, but it's tricky, like, it's a slippery slope, because that, B started to become a real source of stress for me also, because it, it was like unmitigated. It was just this yet another area where I was trying so hard. And it was, even when I got the A, it was like, okay, fine. But what's next? Like, where's, where's the next A? And then when I did inevitably start to run into like, well, this is a challenging class, um, You know, I was, I think a sophomore in high school when I got my first B ever, my first B ever (laughs) since fourth grade, when they started doling out letter grades, Mm -hmm. I was just apoplectic with, (laughs) with shame (laughs) and with, you know, disappointment in myself. I distinctly remember telling a friend of mine that I was going to punish myself by not eating after I got that B. And that that's actually kind of a, a good segue into the other area where I really started to ex- try to exert a lot of control over my life, which was with food. And I began to get into some really disordered patterns of eating because that was another place where I could control things. And I got all of this attention and what felt like positive reinforcement because people commented on my body all the time I I happened to be a um genetically I was I was just destined to be like tall and thin and people apparently like that was like a valuable thing which you know I didn't realize until people started to mention it classmates I had teachers even like grown women tell me they were jealous of me when I was 14 which was really bizarre (laughs) it was like a really you know looking back I'm like my god (laughs) I really hope that no adult women are talking to high schoolers like that these days because it was really confusing it was like oh wow I'm getting all this attention and you know it must be a good thing that I'm thin and then that sort of morphed into like well what happens if I'm not anymore like what happens if I gain weight who will I be and that was incredibly stressful as well
1: yeah. And I, it's thank you for being willing to share some of that, because I think it really paints this picture of, you know, the more we hear these things, we think these things about ourselves, we can kind of try to follow that rule of, okay, if I need to be this way, therefore I need to do this. And it <clears throat> it sounds like you did that in your home, like with your family Mm -hmm. And you weren't feeling like you were really gaining enough control around that situation. And you, you kind of moved on to grades and that perfectionism around schoolwork and that worked for a while, but then there you don't have complete control. And then Mm -hmm. that also can generalize to your body and how you see your body. And so I can, I can see how like stress was one of the beginning kind of factors around this whole pattern. Okay, I'm just going to cut in and point out a key concept here. Martha's story provides a variety of different stressors, including chronic stress, acute stress, stress that triggers that fight or flight mode, and then that kind of stress that makes her grow. Do you see how she's starting to relate to each one of these stressors in new ways? This last type of stress, the stress that makes you grow, it's really key, and What is the kind of stress that can make us grow, the the kind of stress that actually motivates us to live truer to what we care about? One of the reasons we talk about values so much in ACT is because values reinforce our actions. And let me say it in a different way. Living your values means taking action. Listen to what Martha does in this next part, which may be very different from an action you might take yourself so that she can live truer to her values. In acceptance and commitment therapy, we call these behaviors, these committed actions, or some, some people might call them toward moves, moves that, or actions that one takes toward values. These are goals or decisions or steps that we can take that are clearly defined and are reinforced by the values we hold dear. And these values are characterized by larger and larger patterns of living, The more we do these committed actions, the more powerful our values are expressed and the more likely we are to continue doing these actions in the future because they take on a new meaning and they motivate us to be the person we really want to be. Okay, so let's get back to her story and let's see how that relationship with stress changes and what she does in order to live those values. As you move forward, it sounded like you were starting to get into some unhealthy habits around, just trying around this kind of control agenda. Mm -hmm. Where did you go from there, Martha? Like, how did you start navigating the stress and looking at the stress in a new way?
0: So it really took a while. It really did. Um, It wasn't until my early twenties that I started to make some changes. Um, And between then, so late in high school, my senior year, I actually dropped out um, I'm a high school dropout. (laughs) And (laughs) it was that, I guess, actually looking back on it, that may have been one of the first things I did that was more for myself and less about like trying to just get control or show up as like this perfect person, like kind of filling in this persona that I thought maybe that other people wanted me to be and that I was like the only place where I felt like I had identity. So leaving high school, that was maybe the first step where it was like, you know what, I am unhappy here. I am stressed out all the time. I'm constantly worried about grades. And then coming into school, I was constantly thinking about my body, just running everything through the filter of what are other people thinking about me? How are other people perceiving me? And so leaving school, leaving high school was kind of like this liberating moment. Um, And I do remember... It was like the first time that I contacted kind of that shock value of having other people be like, wait, what, what are you doing? (laughs) Because I I was top of my class. And so my teachers, and I think I I remember even having a conversation with the principal where he was like, are you sure you want to do this? And I was like, yes, absolutely. Like, I hate it here. (laughs) To get out, um, and my parents um, at by that time they had started to really make some huge strides in how they were parenting, and and started to really look at like some of their earlier behavior and um, come to terms with that with themselves. And so they were really supportive, and and they were like, yeah, you know, you you need to do what you need to do. Um, so I did that. I left, and. Then I started working actually. And that was, that was another step for me of trying something new where I was going to be contacting or having experiences in all these new environments where there was going to be a learning curve. And I had to kind of realize like, I'm not going to be perfect at this right away. Um, but I'm also gaining skills in the pursuit of that. And so that's okay. And so I think it, it was, you know, if I think about it in like the ACT framework, it was like maybe the first time that I was starting to identify some of my own values. Like what does Martha really value? Not my parents or school or teachers or anything like that, but what do I care about? Um, and then I did some traveling. I actually traveled solo to Costa Rica when I was 18. And I did not speak any Spanish. <laughs> I had taken French in high school, so I showed up in Costa Rica being like "Hola, El baño. <laughs> and that was about it. <laughs> and, um, I was there for a few months, and I lived with a family, and I went. I uh, volunteered at a daycare, um, and I studied Spanish. I took lessons every day with the at the agency that I took the trip through, um, and that was that was really transformative as well because I went from. I went there having no Spanish skills and also being just terrified. So that was that was a big step for me too. And then um, moving on and going to school, going to college was huge for me as well. And and it was really discovering psychology and then. Truly discovering behavior analysis was so transformative for me. Once I learned that concept of, oh, it might not be a problem within you. It might be a problem with your environment. Wow. (laughs) My world was blown open at that point. And I started to really reframe like my whole childhood and all of the stressful experiences that I'd gone through as being not a function of some flaw within myself, but rather a function of, you know, this environment that wasn't working and and people in my environment that were doing the best that they could, but it was not always in an adaptive, um, beneficial way. So I really started to see like all the stress I had, I had been through as not something that was wrong with me. Like it wasn't a symptom of my brokenness.
1: Oh my gosh. I love that so much, Martha. And how, how amazing that you were able to, to make those connections, because I think to me, like that is such amazing work in our work that you were able to do I think a lot of us still can be really stuck in those stories and those histories and not apply mm-hmm. these principles back to our own lives and really make sense of it because it's hard there's so much there right there's just so much yeah. that goes into it but you can really start to see patterns once you look through it through this lens and so It sounds like you were starting to make some some steps towards being willing to do things that were uncomfortable, kind of going against some of these different rules that you have in your head around Mm. being perfect, having to kind of control the situation all of the time. And you were getting a lot of value out of these different experiences. And before we, you know, end our conversation, I would love for you to share kind of where you're at right now and some of the things you've done. more recently in your life to kind of continue pushing towards this discomfort in service of your values?
0: Oh, absolutely. So a a huge thing that I began to do actually this month is my seven year anniversary of of beginning this um, endeavor in my life was um, pursuing fitness and I began weightlifting. And that was a big, big step for my growth because Picking up weights and beginning that journey really is an exercise in moving toward something that is challenging. So seeing growth potential in something that is actually physically stressful, right? So it started to really change, continue to just build on and reinforce that changed relationship that I was developing with stress. So when you go into the gym and your whole purpose is like, I want to get stronger, I'm going to be applying like the principles of progressive overload, which is basically doing more over time you're really moving right into that hard place, which is so, you know, can feel so like counter to some of our, I feel like societal norms about stress, which is, you know, you need to reduce stress. You need to get away from it. You need to manage it. Mm-hmm. Well, but maybe there's different kinds of stress. And and I started thinking about like the types of stress, like there's really debilitating stress, which is where you're just, you're burnt out. You have too much going on. And maybe some skill deficits in, in handling it. And that was sort of, that was how I would characterize the whole first chapter of my life, childhood, teenage years, early adulthood. And then there's this other stress where it's like, it's motivating, where there's like a growth stimulus, where it's really maybe not that much different from what we might call excitement. Psychologically, it's kind of the same you're excited about something or you have a goal that you're moving toward. And yeah, it's a little stressful, but that stress is helping to get you there because you have these, these aims that it's your committed actions, right? That you're going toward trying to be present with them and it's exciting. Mm -hmm. And that the gym became really my parallel for that. And I just became utterly in love with it. And, and it it probably for a little bit there almost went a little too far, you know, where I was still kind of like navigating, okay, like, how do I incorporate this into my life without again, trying to go to uh, become too much of a perfectionist about it. You know, in the early days I might, I might be at the gym like six days a week and that's a little much. Um, But over the years, I really have balanced that out and it has just been hugely helpful for me. It's my constant, it's where I go to be present, it's embodied, you know, we spend so much of our lives up in our heads, I think. And being present in your body can be so healing, and just so can really just reinforce growth. Made me realize that, you know, even when I'm stressed, and there's a lot going on in life, I have these things that I'm doing that are so important to me, that just speak to my heart, you know, and make me feel like, that I am living my purpose here on Earth because life is short. <laughs> it really, it's we're not going to be here forever. And I, I realized at a certain point, like in my mid twenties, with the gym and with my work, that I wanted to really dig in in this life and make it meaningful. I didn't want to just be in fight or flight all the time. That was not going to do it for me. <laughs> it really so took that so- deliberate action. I'm so glad that you said that
1: because I think, like you mentioned before, way back, you were saying how stress can have these different kind of functions and they can be really, 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 really aversive to the point where we have to we have to minimize them for our own health and safety. And Absolutely. there's other stressors that can actually have a completely opposite function where it moves us in a direction toward the things that we really want. Like you were saying that progressive weight training or toward a degree, you know, living a purpose that is really meaningful to you. And at the very beginning of our conversation, we were talking about how stress has kind of become your buddy and mm-hmm. <laughs> you no longer push your buddy away. It's part of your right. life and mm-hmm. and your life is short. Yeah. We spend all of our lives pushing stress away, trying to minimize it, get rid of it, run away from it, control it we're going to spend so much of our time and energy doing that work rather than doing kind of what for you is valuable, this weight training. And I know that you've done competitions and things like that too, which is super yeah. awesome. And mm-hmm. I'm just really grateful that you shared this because I think we can look, all look to our own lives and say, yep, there's stress that we have. Some of it we can control and minimize, and that's probably a good thing and some of it we just have to kind of live with. And the more we mm-hmm. can relate to that stress in a way that's a little bit more accepting, all the
0: better. So, 100%. Yep.
1: All right, Martha. I really enjoyed our conversation and thank you so much for sharing some of those hard moments in your life because of course. they're just it just it just shows how you can look at someone like you, you know, you have a real, a real history, a real background and a story that, um, that, that hasn't been easy and Mm -hmm. you can still have an amazing, wonderful life, you know, where you, you're doing the things you love.
0: Yes, exactly. It's funny. I just was visiting home and my relationship with my parents now is that, you know, better than it's ever been. It's, it's really wonderful now. And it is so important to me to, to keep that relation, those relationships going and make them healthy. So that's another, you know, value and action of mine. And and as I was there with my family, you know, just reflecting on, how good it felt to be there. The fact that I was glad to be there. Um, my mom said to me, she's like, Martha, you, you seem just so light, you know, like you, like nothing phases you. And I just kind of looked at her and was like, mom, you know, like I'm 30 now. And I'm like, mom, I spent like 25, 26 years being very phased <laughs> and like, I'm done. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like I am, I am all set with that now. Like, you're absolutely right. I <laughs> Now because I have, I've chosen to be. I just want to. I want to be light and enjoy life. <laughs> You're just letting that go. You're letting yeah, it go. right, exactly. And, oh my <laughs> gosh,
1: that's so perfect. <laughs> okay martha but yes thank you so much i hope you have a wonderful rest of your saturday and a wonderful valentine's day
0: yes you too happy valentine's day lots of love okay Thank thank you bye bye
1: Wow, that's amazing. (laughs) Oh my gosh, Martha. In this episode, you heard from Martha Smith, a wonderful, spirited, intelligent, fun-loving behavior analyst and competitive weight trainer who has literally grown stronger because of her stressful experiences. Over the years, she learned to identify her patterns of perfectionism that were triggered by stress and a pattern of perfectionism that was actually characterized characterized by someone else's values and not her own. But over time, she learned to change her relationship with stress and to change her perspective just enough to see that stress was no longer a word or experience that made her turn away or go into fight or flight mode. It was an opportunity to lean into some of those really uncomfortable decisions, making it a stimulus for growth, making it a stimulus for those committed actions. I want to say that I'm feeling really stressed out right now, and I've probably mentioned that a couple of different times in several different ways, but for a variety of reasons. And listening to this story, first of all, it just made me laugh when I listened back to it, but it also gave me an opportunity to check myself and realize that I don't have to be perfect in order to cope with the stress. The stress, for example, of just everyday life, parenting a four-year-old or the stress of an upcoming life-changing situation like birthing a baby in fact striving for perfection might also make the struggle that i have with stress all the more painful so i'm learning to sit with that stress and in the process ask myself what does this stress say about my deepest values How can I move forward in a way that lives true to those deepest desires rather than some value I think others would want for me? I want to share that as I start to wind down in some of my creative projects like this podcast, while I'm starting to prepare for a big, physically stressful event going into labor, um, Martha's story made me realize that like her experience with weight training and the process of progressive overload that I'm in a way preparing for the experience of a natural birth. Every single opportunity I've had when it comes to experiencing hard, difficult, and even painful things makes me think and perhaps question, can I wait until natural labor is induced? Can I handle a labor without pain medication? Can I handle the disappointment if I don't get the kind of experience I have planned? I look back at my previous labor with Matthew and say, no. <laughs> but now it's different and I, I don't look at labor pain as a means to an end anymore and or this kind of unfortunate side effect of pregnancy. I see it as an opportunity to embrace difficulty, to feel and even enjoy the process of what my body can experience. And honestly, it, may, it makes me want to cry a little bit because before, I was literally numb to the pain. And I distracted the hell out of myself during my last labor experience. Um, and for me then, it was what I needed after being two weeks late and having a 10-pound baby, which could not be birthed naturally, and a labor that ended in C-section. But this time around, I want something different. I want to approach it differently with this sense of openness to even maybe enjoy the stress of it all, the pain, the emotions in service of experiencing that bit of pure joy of seeing my baby and getting to know whether I'm having a boy or a girl. To this, I welcome the stress and the value of presence and unconditional love that I have for this little one squirming away in my belly.
0: There you go. You can start. Yeah.
1: Nice and steady at 120. If you are interested in reaching out and telling your story, or would like to learn more through my blog, workshops, or coaching, find me on Instagram at actinspiredbehavior, email me at gabby at actinspiredbehaviorcoaching.com, or use the link listed in my show notes. I'd love to hear from you to live truer to your values. Damn it. Let me say that again. Okay. If this episode resonated with you, subscribe to this podcast and stay tuned for future episodes. And please take a moment to rate and review this show. It's so helpful in getting others to find this show. Thank you so much. Sorry. Okay. That was my husband walking in. All right, let's go back to where I was. Hello again. I wanna take a moment and say that this podcast is for educational purposes only. Content and conversation provided in this podcast should not be taken as a replace professional or therapeutic recommendations. As a board certified behavior analyst, my goal is to disseminate act and behavior analysis to the wider public and have meaningful conversations to further explore our understanding. If you are concerned about your own personal well-being, I encourage you to seek out the help of a licensed professional who can provide individual support to you. Thank you so much. No, I'm not going to edit this out. You will not edit this out, Gabby. (laughs) Okay, where was I?